broadcasting from just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. What is up, everybody? Dr. Ash here going to do another podcast 2021. We made it. It is February. Shit, time is flying. A personal update from me, what's going on. We're still working on South Bay Strength Company 2.0. We still do not have an exact date of when we are opening. Our lease is up in our current space on March 31st. So we've been bugging the people who are doing the construction that we need at least three weeks to get our shit in, get the place painted, and get our other facility, you know, closed and ready to finish out that lease with our landlord. So unfortunately, the timeline is out of our hands. We are not doing the construction to change the building to code, to change the use to a gym, which is all things you have to do when you're renting or leasing a facility, or if you own it, if you don't want to get in trouble by the powers that be. So that's where we're at pretty much that's like the only thing that's going on in my life that's of any importance is day by day trying to make sure that 2.0 is up and running I stopped listening to the news about COVID because I'm just over it it gets me depressed speaking of today my podcast I want to talk about psychological issues and weightlifting um, how it can affect your performance how it can affect you as an athlete maybe some strategies that you can do to help with depression and um, your you know your path and how maybe this will give you a little bit of insight. Maybe it'll just give you something you can relate to because believe me, you're not alone. I will start just with some personal experience with depression. Um, I like there's a lot of evidence about steroid use, performance enhancing drug use and the effects on, you know, psychological effects of depression. Um, basically, some of the euphoric feelings of being in a state of strength and the, you know, the chemical changes that it actually does make in your brain on a neurotransmitter level can lead to an episode of depression um, and decreased serotonin and all of those things after. Um, There's also just the anecdotal, logical, you were very strong, shit was easy, your body was recovering great, and now you feel like shit and your strength is going down and you don't have that God complex. So I personally have only cycled on steroids for competitions. And then as soon as my competition prep and the meet is over, I cycle off and then I don't spend any other time until I'm, you know, preparing for another meet again. So at this point, I've been off performance enhancing drugs to date for months and uh, my strength is severely experiencing a hit and I get pretty upset with myself because I, um, something I will talk about is the social media conundrum, but I find myself comparing my abilities to the chicks that I typically compete with. Um, you know, females that are at the top of their game in the 165 pound weight class who some of them cycle all year round. Um, but I just see my strength going down as 
because theirs are going up and it's pretty depressing. And I have to sometimes reach into the archives of videos of myself to find motivation to kind of pull me out to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And also setting the realistic expectation for myself that I do consider myself a professional athlete, but I also am a professional. I have a career. I am a doctor of physical therapy. That is my main goal. And, you know, being a business owner, an entrepreneur, my main goal is not to be the 165 pound top female in the world. I could do a lot more things to get myself there if I wanted to, but really it's powerlifting is something that I enjoy. It's something that I happen to be very good at. And I am not willing to take my body to that level that I would need to in order to achieve that status. So, you know, kind of pulling myself back down to earth and reality about where I am at to, you know, make sure I don't go off the deep end and I stay motivated for the physical ability that I have right now, you know, when I'm in a lower point, you know, not being on cycle or anything like that. And also just comparing myself like where I was four years ago or whatever, like I'm still leaps and bounds beyond there. You know, strength cannot be a completely linear process forever and ever. It just doesn't work like that. But Depression and anxiety are the most common psychiatric conditions that are seen in the general medical setting in the United States. It's somewhere estimated around 16% of the population meet the criteria for a major depressive disorder sometime in their life. And actually women are much have a higher um, likelihood of developing um, depression at 1.7 times more than men to get the disorder. It's the leading cause of disability worldwide, and it's also predicted that it's going to be the second largest contributor to the burden of global disease within the next three years. This was a study that was just done in 2018. As far as depression goes, there's, you know, mild, moderate, and major depressive disorder. And some of the most common types of anxiety disorders are generalized anxiety, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. There are many pharmacologic options uh, for treatment, meaning different types of drugs that you can take to help manage your anxiety and depression. But it is found that a lot of patients, up to two-thirds, will not respond to their first prescribed antidepressant. And then moving forward to multiple other interventions or antidepressants, up to 33% will not respond to those. So if you've experienced anxiety or depression, maybe you yourself have gone through multiple different trials of different drugs to see which ones are the most effective for you. So not only does that take time, it's you know a burden of care, it's expensive, and maybe it's not solving your problems right away. So I am not here to say that instead of going to your doctor, you should just go exercise because that is bullshit. Not everyone will benefit from doing exercise, nor, you know, should that be your number one thing. But it is shown that exercise does have benefit for anxiety and both depression. For pharmacologic interventions that actually work, in the first trial um, of if you were to receive a first-time medication and it actually worked for mild to moderate depression, exercise actually in studies favors, um, it compares favorably, meaning it is very similar to 
using the pharmacologic intervention. So there are actual studies that have been done to show that exercise can have a similar effect and benefit if you have mild or moderate depression. But there are also other health benefits like cardiovascular, pulmonary, you know, decreased cholesterol, all of those things that can happen from exercise. But it is shown in the literature that habitual exercise correlates with a heightened level of mental health and well-being and overall reduced feelings of anxiety. And that is regardless of the gender of the person performing. That was a um, longitudinal cross-section study of I don't have the number in front of me, but of a lot of people. So there are actual mechanisms, um, neuropsychologic mechanisms for the reduction of depression and anxiety that have been shown. It does neurobiological adaptations in your brain. Based on some imaging studies, there's structural changes that actually happen when you have depression. There's areas of your brain that shrink, y'all. Like your brain gets smaller the more depressed you get. Um, There's different areas of the brain. I can get into the the nitty gritty of these big long works, but I won't. But what um, is shown in the literature is people with depression after intervention of exercise, those areas that typically shrink with early onset depression, there's uh, a correlation of less shrinkage, statistically significant less shrinkage than in those who receive no intervention. So basically your brain ain't going to get smaller if you exercise, y'all. And that exercise was defined as 30 minutes, three times a week. So all in all, there's you know, a lot of things that exercise can do you well, but let's talk about things that happen when you're depressed. You can withdraw. You can feel sad. You can isolate yourself. You can be irritated. You can have no motivation. You can be mad. You can be frustrated. Your appetite can change. You can have sleep disturbances and you can just be disengaged. And all of these things can affect your performance as an athlete. Now I'm talking about this from the perspective of athletics more so than general population, someone who's, you know, not familiar or with exercise in general. So, you know, my target population is already athletes. So if you're experiencing those emotional responses, what happens if you get hurt? So a lot of us identify as athletes, as, you know, I am Ashley, I am a powerlifter and powerlifting is me. So once I've been in therapy for two and a half years, um, I have an eating disorder specialist, but I talk to her every week, um, for general health and wellness so that I don't have to be on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications as a method to manage my, you know, emotions, I think. Everybody would benefit from therapy, from talking to a skilled clinical provider. But uh, one time my therapist asked me, what would happen? How would you feel if powerlifting was taken away from you tomorrow? And I couldn't answer that question right away. I had to wait like a week. And I basically reflected and said that 
I would rely on the other things in my life. I am a physical therapist. I am a gym owner. I am a wife. I love the outdoors. I, you know, love being with my dogs. So I would rely on those other social support networks and the other things that I identify myself with to move forward. Would I be sad and upset? Absolutely. But could I logically think about a world where powerlifting wasn't in it? Yes. I think injuries become an issue when you completely rely your happiness on your performance and your identity in that sport. If you don't have other self-worth outside of hitting that number that, you know, that squat number that you're going to try to go for on Friday, then that can cause, you know, an increase in those emotional responses of feeling sad, of feeling, you know, unmotivated to keep going because you're just not good enough or, you know, you're frustrated, you're angry. So, you know, looking within yourself and maybe re-identifying your goals so that, you know, you aren't trying to strive and setting the bar at something that maybe isn't achievable for you right now. For example, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I am a natty right now and uh, my bench press has taken probably like a 10% uh, decrease. And, you know, thinking that I'm going to rep out 295 pounds is not realistic for me when I'm you know, around the 245 pound range for reps right now. So where are your goals for where you're at within your lifting career? And again, not uh, thinking that it's always a completely linear process, you know, even if it's not weightlifting, even if your sport is soccer or something like that, like there's going to be times where your body's going to need, you know, a decrease in activity for recovery. And sometimes just being optimistic where it's like, maybe today wasn't the day, but maybe tomorrow will be the today. And, you know, we get into a comparative analysis of how we performed on our best day versus how we perform maybe it's your worst day. And those two things may not have the same correlation or value for you in the present moment. So it's, sometimes just good to focus on where you are at right now instead of where you were or where you want to go. If you've dealt with the injury in the past of any kind, maybe it's a good time to reflect on what happened during the course of, you know, that injury rehab recovery and back to sport process. Like, was your life over? You know, like I know people who have suffered some catastrophic and very severe injuries that require surgery, a lot of downtime and recovery. But, you know, just having a minor like low back strain and, you know, you're out of the gym for a week is very different than, you know, a pec tear that requires extensive surgery, recovery and rehab. So, you know, your first response is to immediately jump into a depression, but think of maybe it's time to reach out to someone like a physical therapist or someone like that that can kind of consult and give you a realistic time frame. Someone who's in the you know, the sports world, not just any doctor or physical therapist, because they'll just tell you, just don't work out. That's the way to go. You know, find someone who is seasoned, who is knowledge, who has knowledge, who can give you a realistic expectation and timeline so that you can set a goal from that frame of mind of when you're going to return, not thinking, oh my God, this is where I was at and look at all of the shit that has happened to me now. 
There's some problematic reactions that can stem from injuries outside of obviously being sad, being depressed, but um, there is studies that show that athletes can develop eating disorders from being injured because once now you earned your food, now you don't deserve those calories because you're not performing your sport. This is not okay, guys. Like, I would highly recommend that if you are starting to think those feelings within yourself to really reach out to someone who can help you, a qualified professional who can help you sort through those feelings because food is not earned or deserved. It is something that you need to sustain life and nutrition is important, whether or not you're lifting weights or in your current sport. And, you know, significant depression can be tied and, you know, grow into suicidal ideations. If you feel that you are your sport and that sport is now gone or temporarily removed because of an injury, you may feel that you don't have a reason to wake up in the morning anymore. I definitely can, you know, understand that feeling, but that is not a rational way to analyze and go through a problem. So at that time, again, that's, you know, a red flag for yourself that I need to talk to somebody because this line of thought isn't rational for the situation that's actually at hand. You know, dealing with an injury is something that you just need to deal with and not, you know, completely think that everything is over and you need to remove yourself completely from this world or the situation because maybe it's just going to take talking to someone else to help you realize where you're at and where you need to go in, you know, the appropriate timeline. One last thing on injuries. So also if you are your sport, your sport is you, you get hurt, you can't participate in that sport. Maybe this is a good time in your life to try to explore other hobbies that maybe you haven't been giving as much attention to, or you didn't know that you liked, or maybe it's time to move on to something else. Because let me just say this, when you're trying to hang on to, you know, your three plate squat at 48, 52 years old, and just everything's painful, your body's falling apart. And like, it's like for fucking what? Like, for fucking what? Like, eventually, um, there's going to become a natural time within your life where, you know, powerlifting isn't a lifetime sport. Bodybuilding can and can't be a lifetime sport, depending on, you know, how you use and abuse your body. A lot of, you know, athletes, you know, in professional sports, you don't see them playing forever and ever. What's like the professional average, something like five years or something like that. So it's like, there's going to be a time where you need to disassociate that as your identity and move on to something else. You can still be, you know, Joe Schmo, the power lifter, but I'm also a father and I like bike riding and blah, blah, blah. So learning other ways to associate yourself with other things aside from that being solely your identity, because eventually Eventually, the time is going to come anyways, whether it's through physiologic factors that you cannot perform that anymore, or if it's just advanced age or lifestyle changes. Maybe you're a female and you have kids and then you're no longer, you know, directed towards or have time for that sport of choice and you need to modify, you know, the way that you're, how you're exercising and the time that you're committing to doing something like that. A lot of power lifters are in the gym for two to four hours at a time. And maybe that's unsustainable with your, your current lifestyle as far as work and family life. So 
getting other healthy habits prepared or even just having that conversation with yourself of thinking, if my sport was taken away from me tomorrow, what would I do and how would I feel? I was kind of pissed when my therapist brought that up the first time, but I understand why she did it. Moving on, I want to talk about social media. We all, not all of us, but a lot of us are guilty of posting the highlight reel and the highlight reel only because who the fuck wants to see, you know, your four by four, you know, 65% bench day when you could show your one rep max squat, y'all? Who the fuck cares about bench anyways? But it's, it's very easy to get caught up in that comparative analysis with people who are similar to you, people who are in your same sport, and people who you look up to in social media and looking at their highlight reel and that negatively affecting your self-esteem and your confidence in your chosen sport or in your body. But let's be real. There's a lot of literature and evidence that is coming out now to show that people who spend more than 30 minutes a day on social media do have a higher incidence and correlation with depression. It is, you know, there's serotonin and dopamine hits and side effects from posting and getting positive reinforcement from that post. There's also the same converse negative reinforcement that you can get from seeing other people's posts that may or may not conflict with the imagery that you have of yourself in your mind. So kind of taking a rational approach to social media and realizing like, if I'm only posting my highlight reel, what are they posting? And just knowing that, you know, sometimes the people who you think can do no wrong, like, you know, I'll just put it out there. Like I watch Steffi Cohen's stories a lot and I kind of get depressed because I feel like she's living this life that I want to live. You know, she has so much flexibility with her time, with her finances, with her energy, because she's built herself an empire with her team that can sustain those things. And I am looking and the gap that I have to the space that I want to be, which she is at, and all the steps I have to take to get there. And, you know, it's it can be overwhelming to look at someone else their lives that they portray on social media and just think, oh my God, it's so easy for them and I'll never get there. But really you're on your own journey and you don't know all of the things that have happened behind the scenes for that person to be in the spot that they are good or bad. I've also started following a lot of body positivity pages, um, that really help put in check, um, just some of the diet culture and social media bullshit that's out there. And I'm just so sick of fucking shred and tan and diet this and diet that. And you'll just look better if you were smaller. And I know that's a pretty popular, um, you know, it's, it's a new trend that's really starting to take over a lot of social media platforms is inclusivity and body positivity and, you know, different shapes and sizes are all welcome. And so I, when I am following accounts that are triggering to me, I just try to unfollow them and then they're just not in my world. They don't pop up. I don't have to worry about it. And there you go. So something that I alluded to before is that it's not, you know, easy just to say, well, just go fucking exercise because if that doesn't benefit you, what's the point of using it? But it's also just not, you know, it's just not good to just, well, 
just get over it and just get to the gym because that's not realistic. So some ways or something that you could do that might make it easier if you're really suffering from depressive thoughts that make you just not want to go, especially with COVID, like, you know, we're all experiencing a lot of you know, anxiety related around to things that are going on. Gyms aren't open. You might be working on an unfamiliar environment like your house or something like that. That's not as conducive to the goals that you're trying to achieve. So maybe you can pick up something that you used to do just to limit the barrier. Like if you used to run, go for a fucking run. If you used to row, go row. It's not like, well, I'm going to start doing Olympic weightlifting tomorrow at 5.30 a.m. Because you're setting yourself up for a possible failure or to make it even, you know, more difficult. But you can also, you know, some people think of exercising or working out as like a burden, right? Like it's like it's something that you have to do. Well, why don't you make it something you want to do? You don't have to do a traditional form of exercise. Like if you have fallen off the wagon, so to speak, or, you know, things have just gotten harder, you can find something else. Like I remember I used to fucking love Billy Blanks, Tybo. And Zumba, like go do something else that may not be something traditional. But if you're motivated to do it, then fuck yeah. Uh, You can find something to hold yourself accountable, like a training partner. I love having training partners. And I know that every time when I have somebody there that is counting on me to be at the gym, it really makes me motivated to go. And I do not want to miss. I do not want to let them down. It actually gives me anxiety thinking about letting them down. So I make sure I show up and I do my fucking best. Uh, Some people get triggered with anxiety from the social aspect of being at the gym. Some of these things, you know, are unavoidable. Like if you're changing or if you're feeling intimidated because it's something we get a lot at South Bay, um, people feel intimidated because everybody's so strong, quote unquote. But like sometimes you have to maybe change your frame of reference. Like, well, maybe this gym isn't just for strong people. It's where people go to get strong. Um, You know, some people get anxiety about being in a, you know, using a public restroom or if someone approaches them and they have to do some small talk or something like that. But some things that you can do if you've been out of the gym for a while, maybe it's COVID, maybe your gym is opening back up, is just do some gradual exposure. Like you don't have to jump back in. You know, I talked about injury. I talked about being depressed. I talked about anxiety. So maybe all three of these or one of these things have led you to be out of the gym for a while. Expose yourself gradually. Don't try to hop right back into your old routine. Make it a slow experience so that you can accommodate and adjust, you know, accordingly with time because the more you go, the easier it's going to be. And then you'll realize that your confidence is going to grow the more you're back in there, but you might not have that confidence to begin with, especially if you've been injured, you might have some residual fear, uh, you know, about approaching the weights or something like that. Something that you can do is to maybe get a coach or a mentor, someone who can help you through those hard times or when you're not feeling motivated. If you have a program that's in front of you and you know you're accountable because A, you have a coach, someone who's counting on you to perform, and B, you're paying them. So now you have stake in the game financially that can help, you know, overcome some of those feelings of, you know, maybe depression and anxiety related to going to the gym because you have something else to focus on. What about depression and anxiety? Like you've just had a bad motherfucking day and you just don't feel like doing it and you just want to wash your hands with all of it and fucking stay home and go to sleep. You can, 
would that really be that bad? I don't know. I know I've done both. I've had days where I'm just like, fuck it. I don't want to be here. And I've left the gym. I actually just did it last week. Uh, I've had feelings where I'm like, I don't feel like going to the gym whatsoever today. And I didn't go. And I mentally felt better. And I've had days where I've done that. And I've mentally felt worse. And I felt guilty from not going. I've had days where I'm like, fuck it. I don't want to go to the gym. And I've pushed myself to go anyways. And I've had a shitty workout. I've had days where I said, fuck it, I don't want to go, and I pushed myself to go, and I had the best workout ever. It's a day-by-day kind of thing, you know, and I think the best thing that you can do when you're having a bad day, where you're having, you know, anxiety, depression, fear, or all of those things combined that is, you know, making you not want to perform or do your normal activities or socially isolate yourself is just think of the outcomes. You have the choice. You always have the choice. It's whether or not you want to accept the consequences of those choices. A choice can be, I'm not going to go to the gym today. And a consequence could be, I may feel guilty for not working out. Or I may feel better because I got to rest and relax and I went for a walk with my dog anyways. There's always a choice and there's always a consequence. Sometimes I get overwhelmed because I feel like I have so much to do as far as like, you know, the gym and the responsibilities with the gym. I have the choice where I could just say, fuck it, I'm not doing any work today. But I don't want to accept those consequences. So I am unwilling to do that. So I don't. So it's just accepting the choice and the consequence, even in the moment where you're feeling bad or depressed, it you know, look at the different scenarios that could happen. Is it the worst in the world, you know, and having someone else to call on a friend, a coach, a mentor, a gym bud, whatever, all of those, you know, scenarios can be things that can help you along the way. So I posted on my Instagram uh, asking for some questions for this podcast in specific. Uh, A lot of the questions I already answered, but one thing I haven't talked about is excuses. So this isn't necessarily directly related with, you know, mental health, depression, and anxiety, but excuses are kind of a form of a coping mechanism. People use excuses for all different situations. And why do people use excuses? It's, it just depends, which I love and hate that answer, right? But your personal situation and the challenge that you're facing are direct reasons and differences of why you would use a given excuse. Uh, some people use excuses to, to find comfort uh, because they don't want to tell someone no, they can't come up with a reason why. And some people just make it a habit of making excuses throughout their whole life. Excuses in weightlifting are for various reasons. Uh, I would say that a lot of people use excuses because they're experiencing fear. Fear of stepping outside of your comfort zone or accepting the fact that you've made a mistake that can be fearful is uh, you know, a reason to say, well, the wind, you know, the sun was in my eyes and the wind was blowing, so I missed that squat depth but you're inside and I don't know, you know, people come up with all kinds of crazy excuses. I honestly get super frustrated when like I did a squat and I fail and I walk away and I'm just like, and you know, people are like, well, what happened? And it's like, well, I failed. That's what happened. Like, you know, if there was a specific mechanical error, I would be, you know, very open to state that. But if the answer is the weight was just too heavy and I couldn't fucking do it, that sometimes it's, it's an ego check, right? 
because you've set the standard for yourself to be high or you don't want to let others down or you don't want the image of yourself to be tainted to others. Like, especially someone who is an elite athlete who you often see succeeding very well in the gym. I think that happens to me a little bit. Like sometimes like when I fail, like especially bench, cause it's my best lift. People are like, damn, like Ashley failed, but people go through that all of the time and it's okay. But I think not using an excuse is actually, it's more beneficial for your mental health and well-being because you're not lying to yourself. You're not lying to others. You're accepting, you know, something that can be painful emotionally and you're dealing with those emotions in the moment by not coming up with a reason for why it didn't happen. You're accepting just that it didn't at its face value. And that can be very beneficial moving forward in your career as an athlete. I think that, A lot of people love to make excuses like, oh, the judges, they were just being so fucking hard on depth, man, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yeah, you can say that all day, but also you can just say, I didn't hit depth. That was the answer. And I find it more commendable for someone who just owns up to the situation to say that, yes, I made a mistake and this is the mistake that was made. And hopefully I'll learn from that mistake than someone saying it was out of their control or not their fault, right? Some Somebody asked if, uh, how to control your emotions when lifting. So angry, frustrated, sad, mad, depending on your sport, some people use that athletic activity as a way to control their emotions. Like some people are angry, so they fuel their anger through the outlet of lifting weights, whether it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, whatever, you know, strongman, insert sport, right? Um, Some people get very emotional while lifting, whether it's angry before a lift to hype themselves up or they get really fucking pissed because they missed a lift. I don't necessarily think that you need to put a barometer on your emotions of, you know, for control while you're lifting. There are theories out there where, uh, over, over, I don't know how to really state it. It's like when you're over stimulated by being too excitable while lifting, it can actually decrease your performance, i.e. ammonia, slapping, screaming, all that. I think that that tolerance level is very individualized by each person. I know people who are super calm when they're lifting no matter what. And I know people who fucking slap themselves in the face, make other people slap them in the face, yell, scream, kick, whatever. And they have both, you know, great outcomes with their performance. But I think it depends on your setting. If you are in, you know, a commercial gym where people are very quiet, people don't talk, everyone has their headphones on, and you're over there in the corner by yourself, you know, screaming, getting mad, getting angry, you know, kicking shit, throwing shit, whatever... That could lead to some anxiety because people are staring at you like, what the fuck is going on with this person? Conversely, if you're at a powerlifting gym, like say a South Bay Strength Company, you're kicking, screaming, yelling, taking off a shirt, running around. People are like, fuck yeah, brother. And it's just a part of the culture. So something that you can do overall, I think, to decrease anxiety, you know, whether you are using your emotions, whether you feel depressed, you know, whatever it is, is be in an environment that's catering to those feelings and those emotions. If you want to be in a place where people talk, some people don't like South Bay because people do talk and they don't want to be approached, right? So maybe you need to go to a place where people are wearing headphones and not talking to each other. So, 
you can insert yourself in a different environment if the environment that you're at is not fitting for your attitude, your emotions, your feelings, or what you're trying to accomplish. And that is kind of touching on everything that I have touched on. Someone asked, "What's how do you get motivation on days when your mental health is acting up? I kind of glossed on this in different parts of what I've been discussing before, but I think having a goal for an athlete is a very motivating factor. So if you know you have a competition, if you know you have a training partner, if you know you're really, you know, you're doing a deadlift program to hit that 405 deadlift, making sure that you perform to live up to that goal, a realistic goal that you've set for yourself and you have that expectation is an easy way to stay motivated along the way. Now there's other ways you can motivate yourself, whether it's through social media, which like I said, can be a bad thing. It can also be a good thing too. You know, it's so everybody finds motivation differently, but it's setting yourself up in the context for that day and how you feel of how you're going to be motivated and motivated. Motivation sometimes isn't always, it's, it's fleeting. It can be fleeting. It can go up, it can go down. But if you have something in your heart that's burning, maybe you need to switch fucking sports. Like I've seen people who have become so unmotivated by powerlifting. You walk into the gym and it feels like a fucking chore and you hate everything about it. Maybe it's time to start something else that excites you and motivates you. Maybe you just need to take a week off of programming and do like I call it cowboy lifting. Just do whatever the fuck you want to kind of reinvigorate your sense of motivation. You know, maybe if you're finding yourself unmotivated day after day and it becomes a common theme, maybe it's time to evaluate what you're doing in the sport and are your goals, you know, accessible, achievable, or is it time to explore something else? Well, those are the questions I got online and those are the topics that I wanted to talk about in regards to mental health, anxiety, depression, and sport. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. I hope I've given you some practical tips to maybe help you with feelings of anxiety, depression, or just some general knowledge of you know this topic but i thank you for listening and subscribe to my podcast and rate it please i love you all bye bye